This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 88 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. We are in Thoroughbred Makeover Crunch Time. In today's episode, we'll chat with the Retired Racehorse Project's Executive Director, Kirsten Green, about stats and trends in this year's crop of makeover horses. We hear from Natalie Holdren and Rachel Ramsey as they continue to prepare for the Thoroughbred Makeover. And last but not least, we chat with New Vocations and introduce you to our Adoptable Horse of the Week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Joy Orr in South Haven, Michigan. And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Kristen, it's great to hear from you. Back to back in a week. For everyone who doesn't know, because we always have our episodes come out on the 10th and the 25th, but we record early on. And normally Chris and I have like two weeks before we get to chat. And this month we get to chat back to back. It's so nice. It is nice. And here I am thinking like, oh, I just talked to Joy. Like, what are we going to have to catch up on? And then you shared that amazing photo of your horse. with. And then I shared that amazing photo. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, My horse is never short for personality or stories. It turns out she is a content generating machine. Um, So I went out. a podcaster. (laughs) Yes. Uh, it's, it's a great partnership. That's for sure. So Chris, and I'll tell you the, the low down the T. So I'm in South Haven, Michigan today, cause I'm helping my mom. She's having, um, surgery tomorrow. No big deal guys. It's going to be okay. Not super serious, just a quick surgery. So I'm here to help take care of her horse while she recovers. And I was like, Oh, I'll spend some time with my horse before I'm gone for, you know, three, four days. I get there super excited to have one more ride before you know, I take this break. I get there. We are, we are covered in burrs, lots of burrs. I mean, the whole forelock was one piece of burr that had melded into the first half of her mane. It was all connected. And her tail was also one long rope of burrs. I had people come help me. It was that intense. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not riding. There's no way I'm riding today. So I had a a nice shot of whiskey. I will not name the company because we're not sponsored by them, but we're always open to that. (laughs) You and your tack room bar. I know. Yes. Tack room bar is still going strong. (laughs) For those moments. For those moments, exactly. So had my shot of whiskey, got to work. It took me like 90 minutes to get it all out. I had to let her have a break to like run around the arena, which she did some very beautiful flying lead changes and like tempies. And I was like, who knew my horse had this talent inside her? Because we can't keep it together for more than 15 minutes in a ride sometimes. It's just a little preview. She's just showing you what's possible next year. <laughs> it's really a teaser. It's it's it hurts my soul. Very excited for it. <laughs> but uh yeah, lots of pulling out burrs. My hands are very itchy still. I have quite a few welts. There's a lovely photo of the oh, halfway progress. Yeah. 
Yes, I highly recommend like leather gloves. Your fingers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you need gloves that are still dexterous enough to get in there and like. Yes, you know, I made mistakes. Whatever. I made bad life choices through that, but that's okay because I got it all out and I didn't have to cut a single thing. There was a wasp nice. that was woven into it. That was exciting for everyone, oh, it and um, it was alive. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh dear! She had like a full ecosystem going on in there. She was starting her own natural habitat. So she's seen way too many Disney movies. So that's got to, that's got to stop. She's got such good hair. I'm glad you didn't have to cut any of it. It honestly, I also loved people's feedback on my Facebook page because they also were wondering, is the forelock okay? And I was like, I promise it's okay. We're not cutting yeah. that gorgeous miracle that is oh, her hair. That would be heartbreaking. Yeah. I know. She's breaking all stereotypes that thoroughbreds have thin hair. It's like, not this one. It's thick. It's super thick. <laughs> That's probably how she picked up so many burdocks in the first place. It is. It very much is. She was very yeah, proud of herself. But um, she only gently kicked me once. And she tried oh, to pull the okay. button off my pants. So she also picked okay. up a kid's toy truck and threw it. Scared herself. <laughs> <laughs> how did she have access to a kid's toy truck? My barn manager has a four-year-old running around. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay. I thought yes. you were just like, so here. He, he left it this. out of the way, but she was able to reach it. She's like, what's this? Because my horse, we have limited attention focus abilities. So. Yeah. Well, especially in the deeper docking, because that's a process. Yes. But we got it all done. I saved as much hair as I could. Obviously, there's some breakage, but you'd never know because of how much hair there is. <laughs> that's good a happy ending happy ending for everyone but my hands and my sanity but it sounds like you also had an exciting week in between our talks uh, or more so your husband did yeah i think we might need to imitate your like whiskey bottle in the tack trunk <laughs> method here farm <laughs> bar is everything I'm yeah 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 we might need to to do that yeah we had a couple of um late season caps born over the weekend which is exciting um kind of expected like we knew we had some cows that calved late last year so we were likely to have them calve a little late again this year because they can usually catch up by a month or two um if you know they're left out with a bull for that long so eventually you'll sort of catch the whole herd up but for a couple of years you're going to have a couple late ones and they'll get a little earlier every year so September is perfectly doable. We're very happy with that. So we had um, my favorite cow, who's now known as my formerly favorite cow. Oh, uh, no. 26. She's very sweet um, all summer. I was, you know, if you're real quiet and patient, you could get up and like scratch your head and scratch your ear. And she was just like, okay, I'm a cow. And everything was fine. Uh, and then she had her baby and turned into a raging psycho. So... Uh, which is fine. You know, Harmous. you definitely want your cows to have a little bit of that. <laughs> Some things to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you know, ideally we would like her to have that instinct, you know, in case there's a coyote running around or a black bear, like we've had a black bear in the neighborhood. So just in case, you know, you have anything sort of working around your cows that you don't want, like it's mm -hmm. totally fine if they have some protective instinct. Um, but unfortunately, I sort of thought that maybe that like, oh, people are nice would carry over when my husband went to ear tag her baby, which we do, you know, for identification purposes. So we can, you know, black cows all kind of look the same in one big herd. Mm -hmm. They all, you know, no markings. They're all just matching black cows. So yes. the ear tags are pretty critical for identifying them. So he went to put the ear tag in and she made this horrible bellow and just sort of came charging right at him. So 
Uh, she was like half bluffing, half serious, and he was dodging. So he just sort of got punched in the arm rather than like uh. thrown across the pasture. Um, and then, yeah, she kind of ran around the ATV cause I was trying to run her off while also holding the rope on the calf. And then she chased our dog for a while and then she came back again. And Eric at that point had just gotten the ear tag in and we slipped the rope and then ran way out of the way. So, uh, yeah, no longer my favorite cow. She's been fired. I really love hearing all of your ranching stories. And I have to tell you, I tell my dad about them as he used to have dreams of being like his own modern day rancher. And I was the disappointment. Um, so I just tell him everything that happens to you and just pretend like I did it. Cause it makes him really excited, but I'm like, <laughs> your, <laughs> your life is way more exciting than mine is Krista. That's right. I'm like, I've just, you know, got some stickers in my hands and now they're, they hurt. And you're like, yeah, we got chased by a thousand pound cow. No big deal. <laughs> just chase for a little while. So that reminds me of a time I I worked on a ranch in Wyoming for a while, and at one point, a coworker and I were sent down to the winter farm, uh, which was like an hour and a half down the valley, mm-hmm. to round up um, an escaped bull and a couple of cows and put That's them in a terrifying. stock trailer and take <laughs> them to the auction. And she was relaying this to her dad. I think she was from St. Louis. And she was just rattling off all the stuff we were supposed to do. And her dad, there was a pause, and he goes, do you know how to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Such we a dad like, thing. Yeah, exactly. We were like, yeah. I mean, no, but, you know, we figured it out. It was fine. So um, that's the thing about horse girls. We're always resilient. You know, we always figure everything out at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. It was fine. It was fine. So, you know, the but, running joke on our farm, of course, is when like shenanigans like this happen and things take a little longer than we intended. The running joke is who ordered Mexican takeout? Because it's uh, that's right. You have talked about that before. Yeah. Was, whenever someone has an order of. Yeah. If you've got an order in for the Mexican. So I feel like the last one, um, a bull lost a tail was the last situation. Check out. I think it was our July 10th episode. Everyone go check that out. But (laughs) he's fine, by the way. He just doesn't know he can fly spotter anymore, but he's doing fine. Uh, And weirdly, nobody had ordered Mexican that night. Um, We do, however, have an order in for Mexican tonight after we record. Um, but I just got a text that Jobber found the missing calf somehow. But I'm here, so I don't know how that worked. So that'll be uh, something to explain. Sounds for like the another story. <laughs> yeah, check out Kristen's uh, Instagram, everyone. I'm sure there will be new stories to be there. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what that means. I don't know if that means he like came up with it in his mouth like a dog, or you know, just to swing it, it around like he's at a party. Uh, yeah, you know, Jobber. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness well there's lots of crazy things happening in both of our lives obviously we could use some more calming moments so to instill that let's hear from our premier sponsor kentucky performance products who makes all of our days a little bit easier and calmer this nutrition minute is brought to you by kentucky performance products the company that simplifies your search for research proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com If you've ever had a horse with diarrhea, you know what a frustrating problem it can be. Finding an ingredient that works to dry up the diarrhea becomes a high priority. It turns out that researchers have found one, a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. It has been proven to improve and halt episodes of diarrhea. It supplies specific nutrients to the lining of the small and large intestines, and these nutrients promote healing of irritated tissues. 
It also supports improved starch and sugar digestion in the small intestine, reducing the opportunity for imbalances to occur in the hindgut. Nalox Advanced, made by Kentucky Performance Products, contains Saccharomyces boulardii, along with a blend of fermentation solubles and stomach buffers. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of any age that are suffering from diarrhea. It also supports a healthy digestive tract in horses at risk for gastric or colonic ulcers, such as performance horses or any horse that is constantly on the go and exposed to stressful situations. For best results, Nalox Advanced should be fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, Joy, we are definitely in makeover crunch time. By the time this episode comes out, we will be like three weeks away, maybe two weeks, which is a little scary. And exciting. A lot of work to do. But... Yes, you're right. Very exciting. Uh, but to help get us into the spirit of the makeover, uh, we have with us tonight the RRP's executive director, Kirsten Green. Kirsten has been with the RRP since 2014, first as the organization's administrator after volunteering at the first two thoroughbred makeovers at Pimlico. After growing along with the organization for eight years, she was promoted to executive director earlier this year. So Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So it is makeover crunch time, uh, but it's also, I think, a really fun time of year, uh, especially, I mean, I always think it's the most fun time of year because we're getting all fired up for the makeover. We're looking at this year's class of horses. We know the final entries. And of course, we spent a good chunk of time last month putting out that big stats collection that we work on every year. Um, So that's what we kind of wanted to take a deeper dive into tonight with you. And then, you know, kind of what those stats are teaching us about kind of the bigger picture in aftercare. So what were your big impressions from looking at what we're learning about this year's class of 2022? Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a big undertaking, and I, but it really is a labor of love, and I think it's very representative. You know, we kind of have to explain to people, like, kind of how our fee structure works and, like, what the contribution is to the charitable mission by participating in the event and that sort of thing. And, and that's because we're using this as a mechanism to really gather a lot of information about these horses and just kind of the overall state of the aftercare industry. Every horse that gets registered to the competition, whether they ultimately complete the event in October, um, we have a registration form for them and ask several questions about the acquisition of that horse. And we also go back and pull um, from Equibase uh, a lot of information and manually input that. And so once we kind of finalize everything, the final entry period that we talk about in August, um, we pull this big monster spreadsheet out of this database and start kind of crunching things and seeing what kind of trends and information we can kind of tease out. And so we've started, we've always crunched this, but we've started to kind of, as each year goes by, like line it up and look at it against the previous year. Um and this is a kind of strange year to be doing that because I kind of talk like mega makeover, you know, 2020 and 2021 got kind of lumped together. So we kind of like, we look at that and then we look at our last quote unquote normal year of 2019. And so there's some things that are a little bit unusual because of the circumstances of the last two years. And then we kind of benchmark that against other stuff. So it's just a really interesting time and RP's position is unique because we work with 
private owners. We work with aftercare organizations and the horses are coming through, you know, as acquisition directly from the track or through aftercare organizations. So we're able to to gather a lot of information um, of how these horses are coming out uh, of the racing industry and retiring into, you know, sport horse or riding horse life. Um, and we just are able to give, like, with our population of horses, a really very comprehensive sample of kind of, like, what retirement looks like for these horses from year to year. And that's really, like, the million-dollar question, right? Because no other organization can really say definitively, like, where are horses going when they retire? How many horses are retiring? You know, and some of these I know are questions that the RRP can't necessarily answer, but I feel like we're taking a step towards being able to answer that, um, where there's not really any other entity that can, you know, like, it seems like most people are like, there's, you know, we know there's X thousands of horses being born a year, but we're not really sure where they're all going upon retirement. Yeah. And like, we're able to, like, we have over time kind of compiled lists of the major players, you know, obviously it's publicly available, like who is a TAA aftercare accredited organization um, or a TCA uh, grantee, that stuff is very easy, but we also really become very familiar with some of the additional programs that are contributing outside of that. The for-profit and non-profit listing agents, the kind of Amy Paulises, the Cantors, the Finger Lake Spinus, all of those avenues, and a lot of the resellers too. We have resellers that have upwards of 10 horses entered um, representing their programs each year. And so I think it's very representative of the fact that aftercare is so much broader than strictly facilities. And like there is an important place for facilities, but what we're seeing is that the industry is very broad and diverse. And there are a lot of different ways that these different types of entities are working kind of in a synergistic way to get the job done for the horses. Um, And that's kind of what we're seeing here year after year. That's really cool. Yeah, because it is pretty much the only competition that can capture, you know, that same population of horses, um, as in horses sort of in that first step into a second career. I don't think there is any other kind of competition or entity that's doing that. So that does put the RRP in a unique position. Yeah. I mean, there's been so many conversations about traceability and, you know, RRP is really eager to make a contribution to that and work with other entities to figure out how we can increase traceability for horses once they exit the racing industry. The Jockey Club has such robust and comprehensive data um, because they can leverage points, you know, for the horse to race and breed, like they have these reporting transaction points. And that's really very largely absent for the horse once they exit the industry. So the RRP has kind of been able to position itself as a point to capture some of that data. So one fact that I thought was pretty interesting was that you're noticing um, over the past couple of years that there's a little less time starting to elapse between the last start and when horses are going on to makeover trainers. And then also that, of course, the price of those horses is still a little bit on the upswing. Um, So what do you think that's indicating? So what we're seeing, and it, it is still very subtle, is we're seeing like an average drop in um, number of starts per horse. Uh, So we're kind of like creeping our way down to like the sub 20 
mark when it comes to average starts. And this year, what we noticed was an uptick in average earnings. So kind of the correlation that we see there is movement in the direction of retiring horses sooner um, before they're dropping down in the claiming ranks. Uh, There's been a lot of really good information and encouragement out there to kind of avoid the quote-unquote one last race mentality. Um, You know, you have a benefit to retire a horse earlier and sounder, like you are going to have a better outcome for that horse if you quit on them sooner than you might have normally. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of trend in that direction in the, the data that we're capturing. I think that's yeah, absolutely fantastic. Like the, I feel like that's something the RRP may not have like set as a super intentional goal, but it's always been for the, you know, advocacy of adopting and retraining these horses. And so for those who are not on the aftercare side to start seeing the value of investing in their next career, I think that's huge on what the RRP has been able to offer. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's certainly a group effort and and we've definitely also seen, you know, the, the one key metric that we've always been very focused on is the price off the track. Um, and we've been tracking that for several years now. Um, we really kind of, we tried to track that a little bit in 2015. And as we updated and evolved our horse registration form, we kind of like reworked our questions a little bit to start teasing out better data. So since we've really started tracking that data point, we've seen about an 82% increase in the value of horses upon retirement. So the average this year is just about uh, $2,900 versus when we started tracking in kind of like 2015, 2016, um, it was about $1,500. So that is huge. Yeah, I was like, I know the value of this, but just for listener sake, because I think we've all seen it, especially like Facebook, people griping of the cost of a thoroughbred has quote unquote gone up and you're just saying the average is 2,900. I'm like, that's still like a steal to like compared to some other horses out there. But, you know, it used to be you could get them free, you could get them for 500 and some places you still can. But would you mind sharing why it's important the value has gone up for these horses off the track? Yeah, and that's something that I think is very fundamental and just like a core value to how the RRP came to be. Like, we've really marketed ourselves as a market-based approach to aftercare. You know, when the demand is low and the supply is high, then you have loss in value. And so what we aim to do is, you know, through education and incentive, Um, promoting the horse and educating people about the qualities of the breed, we hope to kind of elevate the breed and increase demand and then see an increase in price as a correlation. A horse that has value, um, both monetarily, but also, you know, somebody that has invested in that horse's training and schooling, you know, that is a horse that is much less at risk in life than a horse that has very little value and, has not had this kind of training investment in him. Um, so that is something that RRP can say, like we're making a direct impact on that by having the thoroughbred makeover and showcasing the horses and all that they can do in a relatively short amount of time. And also the other complimentary stuff that we do as an organization kind of on the educational front, um, off-track thoroughbred magazine, educational articles on our website, and all the other stuff that we have planned 
you know, wanting to do more to give people more insight and more tools um, as thoroughbred owners is, is our kind of contribution to the aftercare industry as a whole. Which I think is key. I mean, you know, I think it's, mm-hmm. as we've established, you know, it's a multi sort of faceted, multi-angled approach to like, what do we do with all these horses? Mm -hmm. And I think definitely the RRP is filling a need. We're going to sort of veer off topic here a little bit, but um, you know, there was recently some sort of kerfuffle on horse racing Twitter about, you know, kind of arguing about what aftercare was, you know, and like how to define it. And it seems like there's still a good population of folks who define aftercare as you know, the nonprofit organization where you adopt a horse, which I think for a long time has really been sort of the backbone of aftercare and is still a really important part of aftercare, but it's certainly not the whole picture. Um, So I think that's where the RRP is really like filling a need, you know, and and bringing all these various branches together. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, since taking on this position have had occasion to, um, you know, speak and present at a handful of things. And I've made this kind of little graphic of like, what is aftercare in the United States? And I tend to break it down into a couple of like kind of primary pillars. Like you have the kind of original like backbone, like you said, of the industry where you have the nonprofit aftercare facilities, like the TAA accredited facilities that are taking in horses, putting time in them, putting rehab into them as needed, and placing them out at adoption rates. And then you have listing agents, whether they are for-profit or non-profit. So that could be your canters, but that could also be um, Amy Paulus, Jade Favre, like some of those people who are very active um, as listing agents that, you know, are on the backside helping horsemen get their horses placed, whether or not, you know, they might be taking a small commission or something like that to help. Then there is sanctuary. So that's kind of like your TRF programs. Um, And then I have one more kind of pillar that I kind of lump together as being education incentive and advocacy. And so those are organizations that don't necessarily take on ownership of horses and aren't necessarily like in the barns day in, day out, like working directly with the horses, but have a very meaningful and important and essential part to play in aftercare and that we are driving demand, we are educating people, we are incentivizing. So like RRP, Thoroughbred Incentive Program, uh, New York's uh, Take Two Program, all of those organizations that are like rewarding and educating are going to be key factors in continuing to drive that demand up so that all of these other entities can continue to move horses into good homes. Yeah. And I know, you know, we, we intended to talk, you know, stats about this year's makeover class, but I also think this is a really important conversation to just keep moving forward. You know, that aftercare has so many different sides to it and it's, you know, we always have to be evolving to meet the needs of multiple industries, not just the racing industry, but the equestrian industry as well. So I think this is, you know, this is obviously, this is what I do. So, so I can talk about this all day, uh, but we don't want to keep Kirsten all night. So we'll definitely drop the link to this stats article in the show notes. Um, we've shared it on our social media as well, but we'll give it another bump because it is really cool just to take a deep dive and see, you know, who's coming to this year's makeover, uh, what they look like physically. And then of course, what they've done on the track. So we'll make sure that these stats Mm -hmm. are available for everybody. Uh, Kirsten remind us again, when is the makeover and where can people go to find more information about it? 
vrrp.org is our glossy, shiny new website, and we have all the information about the event up there, uh, schedules and um, entry lists and all that sort of thing. So please uh, feel free to give it a browse. And it is October goodness. I've had to say this as many times, uh, 12 through 15th (laughs) um, at the Kentucky Horse Park. I tend to operate with that whole week in my mind and I always forget exactly which day it yeah. starts. So please forgive <laughs> we'll me. We'll be there yeah. like the 9th through the 19th, so it's fine. Approximately yeah, but... <laughs> sometime in there, there will be a horse show happening. <laughs> um, but yes, the 12th through the 15th, and that includes uh, the Thoroughbred Incentive Championships and uh, the ASPCA Right Horse Adoption Barn and Marketplace. So um, thank you guys for giving it a look. There's going to be, it's going to be Thoroughbred Central. I think that Strauss at Mid-Atlantic Horseshevsky would like to call it Thoroughbred Wood, Woodstock. Like there's just going to be like, oh, I yeah. can't wait. I'm going to start that calling was... it that from now on. Yeah, we're going to yeah. rebrand it, the whole thing. <laughs> Party in the steeplechase infield. All right. Well, we'll hope yeah. that we can catch up with you in person at the makeover. Cause of course, of course I'll be there. Cause that's my job, but Joy's also going to be there. And I'll so be we'll there too. To catching up with awesome. you again. Thanks very Thanks. much, Kirsten. Thank you. Well, I'm here with Tony from Cashel. You all know it from the ads you hear all the time on this show. But we're at the trade show, and this is the point of time in the year where we find out what's new coming out. So what's Cashel have new coming out? Oh, we've got a, a great lineup of uh, 32, 34 wool top pads. So t- describe them. Uh, five different colors, real vibrant, bright sharp looking pads what are the, what makes them different well it's the fill the 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 wool felt on the inside is a natural felt and the fleece on the bottom is a 100% merino oh really okay so these are soft and squishy pads well not real squishy but soft and and they do absorb shock and and saddle fit what would they retail for what are those that's you about know. 119 That's the right price. Yeah. Anything else new with Cashel coming out? Oh, we've got uh, more saddle pads coming in the fall, a uh, new strap line coming in the fall. It's uh, a two-tone that looks great with a, a great buckle set on it. There's, we're always in development, so there's so many things, projects in the works. What's still your most popular product? Is it still always the same things year after year? Uh, fly, you got yeah. Fly, fly that's what we all. That's, that's how I knew you in the first place was fly. Fly masks. Yep. Yeah. Many years ago, uh, we were primarily fly masks and kind of had some tush cushions and a few odds and ends. Today, we've broadened that offering to saddlebags, uh, strap, head stalls, breast collars, bell boots, um, leg protection, and the, the it continues to grow. Is there a place where somebody can go and see all the products? Cashelcompany.com will give you a good offering. There you go. Well, thank you, Tony. It's been fun seeing you again. Hey, thank you. Good to see you. Well, the makeover is just a few weeks away, and that means the RRP's silent auction is almost here. Yay! Shh! Joy, it's a silent auction. We are still seeking donations for this year's silent auction, which traditionally features racing memorabilia, unique experiences, equestrian items, art, uh, wine, all sorts of cool stuff. The auction will be available to bid online during makeover week. If you'd like to learn more or make a donation, please visit the rrp.org slash silent dash auction. 
Well, Chris said it is time for our Making the Makeover series. I can't believe we're like on the last two episodes of this. We've been going for so long, and I feel like these lovely ladies have become part of the Retired Resource Radio family. But we're so lucky to be joined by Rachel Ramsey and Natalie Holdren. Welcome both again. Thank you for having us. We're excited. Yes, thank you. Of course. Well, I feel like we've had all the highs, a couple lows, except I feel like, Natalie, you've just been dominating in the, the <laughs> uh, show ring lately. But I'd love to catch up with both of you on how your horses are doing. So, Natalie, let's start with you. How are you in Tempe? We've been very busy, but very good. Uh, beginning of August, a little shortly after I recorded the last episode with you guys, Tempe, unfortunately, had wiped himself out in the field, and so he was out for a couple weeks just rehabbing, getting uh, better. We were worried about all of our plans of going up to Devon, but he made a full recovery. He's actually, I think he's moving better than ever, So, but we um, had our Colonial Classic was held up at the Devon Showgrounds this year, and he just handled it like a pro napping in his stall when he wasn't being ridden and handled the oval and everything much better than I ever imagined it going. So, oh, so cool. excellent. And I will find it odd that all three of you, including Lee had like a mishap in August with your horses. Like very <laughs> strange. You all managed to do that around the same time, but also great content. Thank you for contributing to the podcast. But I'm really to do it because it's like final entry time. And it's like, this is it. We're doing it. I know. I'm like nail biters right now. Like, Oh, scary. But that's like they scripted it or something. They all called each other. There must be a horse version of the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Tempe and Finn and Stonecatcher were like, yo, Hey, it'd be cool if we all did this. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm glad it sounds like he's at least made a full recovery and he performed very well. He's just a very cool horse altogether. And yeah. Rachel, how's Stonecatcher? Has he recovered from his little hoof bruises? You know, he has, he um, pulled a muscle in his hip or something that I don't even specifically know. So yes, we laid him off for six weeks. And then I've just been slowly bringing him back. And after the six weeks, uh, before I laid him off, I was like, okay, we're in a really good spot. It'll be fine. Even if I just, you know, didn't do anything till the makeover, mm-hmm. it'd be fine. But you know, you don't ride for a month and then you forget, is my horse really as good as I remember him to be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was in a little bit of a panic. And then I started riding. I was like, oh, okay, we really are okay. That so was kind of a good a good comeback. So yeah, he's been really good. Um, I hauled him to another ranch riding show and just stuck him in a couple of easy classes. I'm get so excited. I don't want to launch him back into everything and mm-hmm. re-injure. So we're trying to come back slow. Good strategy. That's lovely. Yeah. It's So how did he do at the show? Would you just like take it all in stride oh, he, or was he a little yeah, he unsure? Oh no, he just, nope. He's, he's so funny. He has just a funny personality because he is really playful with other horses out in the field. And you think, oh my gosh, he's going to be obnoxious. And then you get on and he's like old grandpa dinking around. Here we go. <laughs> and that's the best description. Remind he's me, very, he's, he's, he's going to be for sale, right? Oh yeah, he's gonna be for fit. I just call him a minimalist. He's my minimalist. He does okay. the minimum amount of work required. Okay, because so, like yeah. low but key, he's super fun. 
Loki Rachel, I definitely shared his photo with one of my my first student actually who's gonna be horse shopping this fall. I'm like, you need this horse. Yes. You didn't hear it from me, but you need to get yes. this horse. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's really he's really cool and really low key and just up for anything. So I'm, I'm excited. Amazing. Well, it's great to hear that they've made these full recoveries. It sounds like they're going to be in full swing in the upcoming weeks. I can't believe we're going to be seeing you both in just a few short weeks now. Uh, but I would love to know how you both are feeling and you know, preparing yourselves for the makeover. We talked a little bit with Lee about how she's keeping her mindset healthy and where she's at. But Rachel, I'll start with you. Like, How are you feeling altogether? You are a veteran at this, but... Love to know where you're at today. You know, I um, tend to do everything in life. I just go with attitude of I'm planning on doing the best that I can, and it's going to work out how it works out. So I go in planning to win and do the best that can absolutely happen, and wherever I end up is where I end up because that's that's the best that I can get out of me or my horse for the day. So I don't, I honestly don't put a lot of pressure on myself. I go in with the expectation of yes, we're going to do very well. And that I think by setting my mind on that and, and putting the expectations for myself that I kind of set myself up to the possibility of that that could happen. I think if you don't let yourself think that you could do well, that you don't do well. So I do try to set myself up to say, hey, I'm, I'm going in with and I'm going to win this, but I'm OK if we don't. Because I just I love set it up that. to say I, I put my best effort in and I know my horse did his best for that day. And it is what it is. I absolutely love that. I might adopt that one. Normally, my mantra is our goal is to stay in the saddle and stay in the ring and anything else is just icing on the cake. But um, yours sounds a lot more positive than mine. And also (laughs) simple. Like, it's not like a complicated thing, right? Like, it's just, you know, like, yeah, it's nice and easy. Yeah, we're going to adopt that. So, And we're definitely going to adopt that that one. I love it. Natalie, how about you? Are you Um, feeling? What are you doing to prepare yourself? I've just been... Honestly, I haven't really changed much of what we've been doing. I've been just keeping us on the same track that we've been on. I don't want to like stress me or him out over it because I just got to take it as it's another horse show. Just happens to be staying away for a week at this horse show rather than leaving home for a day and coming back. So I just go in with the to the show ring with the mindset and go into this week to that week as. Um, we're going to go, we're going to ride our best. He's going to be feeling his best and whatever happens from there is what happens. But you just have to go in there knowing that I know that he can do it. I know that I can do it. I know him and Alyssa can do it. I know him and Bev can do it. So it's all of those, just getting all those pieces to fall into place. Really. Another is super healthy mindset. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, you guys are also positive. Gosh, maybe <laughs> maybe they should host. <laughs> maybe they need to be our new yeah. mindset coaches, Kristen. I'm like, yeah. I feel like I'm feel like I need that now. <laughs> say, Joy does a shot of whiskey and I get attached by cows. So yeah, that's what we yeah. established so far in this episode. So uh yeah, these two are doing way better. Yes. So does Bev get to ride too? Yes, she's going to do his hunter hack and his demo in dressage oh that's so fun we love bev she's uh bev runs mid-atlantic horse rescue of course where tempe came from but she has been a longtime friend of the rrp um she and the rescue so bev is awesome we'll definitely have to stop by and say hi to her when we're there in october definitely 
So, so what I'm are gonna, you guys looking forward to the most? Just like quick, quick. You stole my question, Kristen. You stole my question. I love it. Go for it. Yeah, we'll start with Natalie. What's like? What are you the most excited about for the makeover? I think I'm the most excited about just to um, be able to go somewhere for the week with my horse and not have to be in school for that week and oh, get to yes. go horse show for a week instead of being at school. But uh, also just to be able to say since dressage is in the Rolex, be able to say that me and Tempe rode in the Rolex arena. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. When uh, I did the makeover, I snuck Jopper in there cause they didn't have ticketed schooling at the time. So I just rode through the ring to say I was there. So totally get that. It counts. Love it. it counts. Oh yeah. It counts. <laughs> we also, Jopper was so good. We ponied other, uh, frightened dressage horses in. So he actually was very useful. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Rachel, what are you looking forward to the most? I am super excited about the freestyle. I um, really wasn't sure what to expect last year with freestyle and watching. And so I entered in the classes that I was comfortable with, the ranch riding competitive trail. And then when I watched the freestyle, I said, oh, that looks fun. So I decided I wanted to do that this year. And I told my husband, I said, you know, I could go back and be very competitive in the competitive trail on the horse that I'm on this year. Or I could go do freestyle and it's an unknown. (laughs) So he said, you know what? You're going to have fun. So I said, okay, good point. We're going to have fun. So I'm just super excited to see how that kind of all comes together. Nice. And that's a good way to do it. You know, it's like, and it kind of fits in with your mindset, right? Like, you know, you could do what you're going to do to win or you could do to have a good time. So, and that's what the makeover is all about. So I'm just curious to see what costumes and props you decide to pull out. Cause I've already seen you in your unicorn oh. costume. I'm ready yes, to see what you're going to have at your be... freestyle. Yes. Well, think Lone Ranger a little bit and unicorn and cows and flag mechanical flag. So oh, okay. we'll have a, a variety going on. Yeah. For I'm sure. ready for the, for I love, this. I'm it's going to be exciting excited to see how those factors all come together. Yes. Five minutes is not quite long enough. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Oh yeah. Oh no. Uh, And I I hate to always sound like the old footed who's like back in my makeover year, but um, yeah, I had a live cow in mine and then it didn't want to get in the trailer. So I think I probably picked up some penalties because it was like, no, I like it here. And it turned into like a makeover group exercise because a lot of people had to come out of the stands and help get this cow into the trailer. Oh my gosh. Very memorable. You were that girl. (laughs) <laughs> I love that girl. Absolutely. So, <laughs> well, I, I doubt that will be Rachel's case. It's going to be amazing. No, you know, Rachel's we're excited special. to cheer you on and we're excited to cheer well, Natalie on too. So, oh, that helps. Yeah. It already makes like, it easier. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Live cow, not the way to go. Nobody told the cow the script. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for joining us again. We're very excited for our next episode because it will be the full panel. We, we have all three of you on kind of discussing, you know, what you're prepping for the last week or so up to the makeover, what you're most excited about. I know we kind of talked about today, but everything changes once you're only a few days away and how you think your horses are going to be doing. It's going to be a lot of fun. So thanks again for joining us and we'll speak with you soon. Thank you. Thank you. So if you're following us on social media, you would have seen that I classically embarrassed myself as I always do and join one of the the younger generation's trends of showing your dream horse as a child and the horse you own today. 
And in full transparency, I was a saddle club geek. I was so excited to get off the bus at 4 p.m., rush inside and watch, you know, Stevie, Carol, and Lisa have their adventures. But most importantly, I wanted to see my dream horse, Prancer. And now you all know I have a chestnut mare. But Kristen, (laughs) Kristen, I have some beef with you because I challenged you in that post to do one of your own without your dream horse as a child. And you didn't do it. I, I didn't, I didn't. And I thought about that today and I was like, Oh, I should do joy's dream horse challenge. But I mean, one of the problems is that like, as a kid, I was just my dream horse, which was like basically whichever one I was sitting on at the moment. So <laughs> there had to be one, like even out of your briar horses or like, Oh, I did have a lot of briars. Watching, yeah. Who was your favorite briar? I don't know. It might've been my first one, which was like a proud Arabian stallion. You did not get that. (laughs) That is not your horse today. No, No, that was the first one I had though. And he was just like, you know, the old reliable, like that was the, that was the briar. But I mean, I don't know. I watched a lot of movies and it wasn't horse movies, but I watched like a lot of, you know, like fantasy movies where they're constantly Mm -hmm. riding around big white horses with flowy manes. So probably that would have come in there at some point. And the funny thing is that now I kind of have one. <laughs> you have one. It only took weeks later for you to remember. Right. No, yeah, no, no like, like we technically own the dream horse. So, you know, my, um, my coach, she passed away earlier this year. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this or not. And she, uh, she wanted me to take care of her horse for her. So we have Gandalf, the Irish sport draft now with us. Um, and mm. he was her heart horse. So I'm very happy. You know, I'm honored that she you know, left him to us to take care of, you know, and trusted us with her heart horse. And he is very cool. I mean, when he comes trotting across the field, he's all like, he's big and drafty, but he's got a ton of like flowy white mane and tail and his name's Gandalf. So he does look like everyone's dream horse. And I know that he was Nancy's dream horse. So, you know, we're happy to keep that going, but really, yeah, like my dream horse now is Jobber. He's, you know, a little spicy, but he's turning into a reliable guy. You know, I went for a ride before we recorded today and he still ran off with me. And I was like, oh, yay, Jobber's back, you know. (laughs) It's just the right amount of spice now. He was a little little spicier a few years ago. And I think he's just starting to finally mature as a person. Well, I can't be mad about that. That is very sweet. And I I can relate. You know, I got Astrid was one of those like weird pulls where I saw a not very lovely photo for honestly my friend Kyle Rolfus who's been on the show a few times he was bringing her from new vocations to foster her like it wasn't a very high quality photo of her in the trailer by any means and I saw it and I'm like I'm gonna buy that horse I'm gonna I know I'm gonna end up buying that horse and I have and it's it's been a journey but it's she's definitely everything I've I've ever needed and wanted. She's truly becoming my my heart horse and my dream horse, my very own prince. So it's it's nice to have. There you go. <laughs> You've fulfilled the childhood dream. I, I manifested origin that. stories with their horses. <laughs> like it's always interesting to me like how people meet their horses and how they know it's like, you know, you ask couples you meet, like how did you meet? Honestly, it's, it's more interesting so than hearing yeah. how someone met their significant others most right. of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No offense to people, but yeah, this is yes. But we would love to know how you met your horse. So we'll put up a post. Please leave a comment. We'd love it. And you know, maybe we'll share your story um on a show. 
be great I'll to, hear. to share the super embarrassing way I met Jobber, but I'm going to leave that as a surprise for when Ooh. we do this post. I love it. So check it out. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Retired Resource Radio. Well, it's that wonderful time where we get to check in with our friends at New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Today, I'm joined by Winnie Morgan Nemeth, who runs the Standard Bread side of the program. Welcome back to the show, Winnie. Hi, Joy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Well, I have a, not quite a training question, but a kind of thoroughbred versus standard bread question. We all know that thoroughbreds are notoriously known to not have the best feet. Some are really blessed, others not so much, but we don't hear a lot about the standard bread hooves. And I wanted to know when they come off the track, do they tend to have some of the same issues that thoroughbreds have, or do they have their own story going on? <laughs> no, uh, not typically, thankfully. Um, the standard bread's feet are quite a bit different than a thoroughbred's. And it kind of goes back to looking at the surfaces that those horses are racing on. So when you compare harness racing to thoroughbred racing, your harness tracks are very hard mm-hmm. and your thoroughbred tracks are very soft. And there's a reason for that. A couple of reasons. Actually, the harness horses are pulling a, a race bike or a jog cart. And so, you know, going through a soft surface would be extremely hard on the horse to do that, number one. But number two, they go on a hard surface track. Um, and one of the reasons that is, is just easier for them pulling the cart and eat and how their feet are. So that brings me to standard breads have wonderful, wonderful hooves. They are just notorious to know that they have great feet. And I think the miles and miles that they've jogged on, whether it's a racetrack or a training track, gets them conditioned uh, to going on a hard surface. And that is one of the perks of having a standard bread. Also, one of the reasons why the Amish like them, because they're just sturdy horses. It, it just goes along with their breed. They, you know, we typically don't see horses coming off the track with um, issues like navicular or anything like that. Uh, very few have ever found her. So a lot of times we do like them to come in with uh, their shoes on just because they've always had shoes on since they were yearlings. But like any horse, most of the time, if they get used to it, you take their shoes off. A lot of them can go barefoot, you know, if you're not doing a whole lot of things with them. Um, But a lot of them can trail ride and work in an arena or drive barefoot. So it is, it's a nice perk of a standard bread. That's so important too, because... It feet make your horse. We all know that the hooves make the horse at the end of the day. So something a little more predictable and lower maintenance is something that there are people who want that and want to keep that in mind. Yes. I are there racing plates similar to the thoroughbreds or are there's different? No, they are they are a little different because um some horses will need a little more grab on the track. So they can put some like uh borum on there if they need that. Their shoe is can be thinner, obviously not as thick, but, um, yeah, it's a little bit different just because again, the surface is so different <laughs> when you look at a, like looking at a track versus the red mile, uh, in Lexington, <laughs> our harness tracks are just so hard. And I think that's when I take thoroughbred people to harness track, they walk on the track and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so hard. But when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't have put two and two together about needing that harder track to pull the cart, but it does make a lot. Like I would hate to pull like anything through (laughs) sand or even just like light dirt. I think about like when I have to push the wheelbarrows in spring because I live in the Midwest 
And it just gets that slight restriction through mud. I'm like, I couldn't even imagine having to pull a cart through Right, <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, those tracks are pounded and rolled and I mean, they're hard, 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 smooth surface makes for, you know, nice, easy and fast times. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I love that standard breads are such sturdy horses. Actually, I'm visiting my mom right now and I was coming through town. There's a very large Amish community here. So we get to see all the standard okay. breads going through on their carts. And I, when I Great. first look at them, you know, obviously I have my horse in my head. I was like, is it okay for them to be on the pavement like that? But then I remember like, they really do. They're built for this. This is really the job that they were designed for. Yes. And they're, and they're uh, shot accordingly. You know, if they're on the road, they're uh, have the proper shoes and road shoes is what they call them, um, you know, to keep them safe and sound on the road. Well, it definitely looks like a very happy horse. There's lots of licking and chewing and his little oh, ears were going back and forth. And I was like, that's so nice to see. <laughs> but um, anytime speaking, you see that, is it, a happy horse is a good thing. <laughs> absolutely. Well, speaking of happy horses, let's get to our adoptable horse of the week. We have King Hill, who is a New Vocations graduate. Yes. So King Hill went through our program almost two years ago. Uh, and he is a 2016 trotter by Muscle Hill, who is probably one of the greatest uh, trotting sires that has ever been around. He was quite the yearling. He sold for $235,000. His brothers and sisters have done very, very well on the racetrack. And uh, his he went to uh, Hall of Fame trainer and they were super excited for him. And then I got the call when he was um, three that, you know, he just wasn't liking his job. <laughs> and so she thought he would make a really nice riding horse, which he has and fancy at that. He's put together very, very balanced. Um, he's a 15-3 and just came in with just a fun attitude and kind, you know, kind of lazy, I would say, but you know, he really took to riding very well where, you know, he was just not going to have the speed that they needed to be a top race horse. So um, he was adopted and his adopter did a fantastic job with him and taught him to jump. So he can walk, trot and canter. Um, he does throw in a pace sometimes, which will happen with trotters and can be corrected some, somewhat with shoeing. It just depends on the mm-hmm. horse. But she's doing horses. I think she's doing about two foot with him. Um, she's also trail ridden him. Uh, he's just been a great horse for her. And unfortunately, due to some life changes, he is coming back, but it's no fault of his own. However, he's coming back with a lot of great training. So um, he is featured on our graduates page right now. And you can go through us to adopt him just like you would any of our horses. And he goes with our two-year contract. Of course, can always come back to new vocations at any time. Oh my gosh. Well, he's so handsome. He's just this beautiful bay, just a classic little blaze on his face, but he is very well built. Like when I'm looking at him, he almost has that warm blood look to him. He's nice and full. He's really well balanced. And it is nice to see a standard bread jumping. I think we had one interview maybe last year. I have to look up the episode number. I don't have it handy, but they are very capable at jumping and carrying themselves and being in that career. And he looks just so happy doing his job in his videos on his profile. Yes. Yes. No, standard breads love to jump. They really, really do. Um, and he's been, you know, she said he was really easy to teach, very eager. And you just kind of point him at it and he's like, okay. <laughs> so definitely a nice horse. If somebody's not wanting one, 
um, that needs some training or, you know, since he's been off the, now a few years, you know, he's fully transitioned and ready to, to do whatever, really. Absolutely. That's such a beautiful thing that New Vocations offers too through your graduate program of if they need to come back for whichever reason, you know, there's always a safe landing spot and then they tend to come back with some experience. So for someone yeah. who wants a retired resource, but isn't necessarily in the place to put all the initial training in, this could be a really great option for you. Yes. Oh, yes, for sure. All right. Well, check out King Hill at newvocations.org. He is for the very ridiculous, extreme price of $2,500. Come on, guys. He's free. He's practically free. You're getting a horse who knows how to jump and do all the things well-bred. $2,500. You're not going to get that anywhere else. Winnie, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. And we can't wait to speak to you next time. Thanks so much for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can find me on Instagram at The Horseback Writer and on Twitter at Kristen Kovach. My email is kbentley at therrp.org. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at MissFitMare. And my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And always add more leg. Bye, guys. Bye.